This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is time for the Cactus League Report. Gary Hill with you. The M's will take on the Texas Rangers an hour from right now. In the meantime, we have a lot coming your way for the next hour. Some really fun conversations coming up. Shannon Dreyer had a chance to catch up with Evan White, a really interesting conversation about hitting. Evan White talks a little bit about last year, uh, opens up with some really interesting thoughts, talks about uh, how things are different heading into this year, some of his insights there. Rick Riz will chat with Tom Murphy, which is always a really fun conversation. You'll enjoy that one. Also, we're going to talk some prospects with Joe Doyle coming up in a few minutes. That's always a fun conversation when it comes to the Mariners. We're going to start, though, with Will Vest. Aaron Goldsmith and I had a chance to catch up with the Mariners reliever. We're joined now by one of the newest members of the Mariners for 2021. He is right-handed relief pitcher Will Vest, who was taken by Jerry Depoto from the Detroit Tigers in the Rule 5 draft. Will, it's, it's wonderful to be with you. Welcome to the Mariners. How are you doing these days? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Man, your world has been kind of turned upside down uh, because of the Rule 5 draft. Uh, the Mariners have been active in the Rule 5 uh, four straight years, last three years, getting somebody just like yourself, a right-handed reliever. Uh, what was it like for you to find out that uh, in a blink of an eye, uh, maybe unexpectedly, you were uh, changing organizations suddenly? Yeah, uh, it was a it was a whirlwind of emotions, that's for sure. Uh, it was it was bittersweet, you know, because you make, um, you make some friendships that, you know, with guys you've been playing with the last three, four or five years. So, um, that part kind of, kind of sucks, but at the same time, like I'm here to, to try to reach my goal and my goal is to become a big leaguer and to be successful at that. So that was the sweet part of it is now that I'm getting a, a true opportunity to, uh, to obtain a lifelong goal that I've, that I've had set. And, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited for the opportunity. Last year was such an odd year for all the obvious reasons. Describe what the year was like for you. It was uh, challenging at first, and then it was kind of just like, "Hey, this is the this is the hand you're dealt. You gotta you gotta work with it." So I was telling my pitching coach that I I honestly think it was like a blessing for me because uh, I really took that time to develop as a pitcher, and it wasn't really me competing, you know, against a hitter in a box, which is good but it was also competing against myself every day, you know, day after day that can kind of wear on you. Of Okay. Hey, I've already thrown 15 bullpens into this net. You know, what, what am I going to be do, do different today? And uh, so I really took that time to try to develop as a pitcher. I tried to, you know, work in my mind of trying to make it as game-like as possible. And I think I saw, I think the Mariners saw a different pitcher whenever I uh, rolled into instructs. So I, I think I really took that time to to develop and become better. Will Vest is our guest. He was the Mariners Rule 5 selection from the Tigers. You know, along those lines, Will, I was thinking about you and your situation. And certainly it's not unique. There were a lot of guys, uh, the countless guys actually, who didn't play in a competitive game last year. But nonetheless, 
your situation is somewhat unique from the standpoint of, I mean, the last time you faced a real life hitter in a real life game was in 2019. And now when you do it again for the first time in a long time, it'll be in the big leagues, <laughs> which is someplace you haven't been before. Uh, have you allowed yourself to kind of mentally go there and s- think about what that will be like? There's a big enough adrenaline rush pitching in the majors for the first time, let alone when you, you haven't been on a game mound in a real competitive situation in such a long time. Yeah. That's what being an athlete is. That's kind of what we live for is that, that adrenaline rush, that, um, being able to compete, uh, I remember during quarantine, I tried to, I, I think we did it a handful of times where I would go throw live ABs to a couple of hitters in the area. Um, and the first time that we did it, it had been a couple months since we got sent home from spring training and all of us, I think there was like four of us, like two pitchers, two hitters. We rolled up that day and we all just kind of looked at each other. It was like, anybody else wake up with butterflies today? And we were all like, yeah. And it's just like, we're ready to compete. You know, that's kind of what we live for. So um, I, I couldn't be more excited to compete on the, on the grand stage. You know, that's as a kid, that's, that's what you look up to is being there one day in the big leagues and going out there and, and just trying to be successful. And that's, that's all I'm chasing is just trying to make the team and just compete at the highest level. I know the Mariners were attracted to you for a number of reasons, Velo, uh, your pitch mix, but also your changeup. And I want to talk to you about your changeup. It's unique how you throw it. You throw the Vulcan changeup. I think the average person couldn't even hold a baseball like that, let alone <laughs> throw it over the plate. How did yeah. the pitch develop for you? My junior year of college is whenever I started pitching. And um, I remember I went up to our – Friday starter, my first couple of years, who was with the Diamondbacks, and he still is, uh, Cameron Gann. And uh, he was our, he was the best pitcher that I had known. And uh, he, I think he was just back in the fall, kind of working out um, and hanging out up at the, at the field. And, uh, you know, I was just toying around with pitches and stuff like that. And I just went up to him and was like, dude, I remember you had a pretty good changeup. Like, I don't really know how to throw a changeup. What do you throw? And he showed me the Vul- the Vulcan grip. So I was like, all right, cool. So I just picked it up and, and started trying to throw it. And I remember I threw a couple and they were gross. Like they moved a lot, but I had no control of the pitch, like no clue where it was going, but I knew it moved. So I was like, all right, this is going to be a pitch for me one day. I just got to try to find it. So that, that whole year, I, I rarely threw it. I would throw it a couple of times to lefties, but I was always toying with the grip, trying to make it a little bit more comfortable. And it really wasn't until 2019 until I actually found that pitch where it's like, okay, this is, this is my pitch. I, I mean, coaches had told me like, Hey, I, I think this can be your pitch one day. Uh, this pitch has potential, but it just did not have the consistency that it needed. And uh, I finally threw a pin one day where I just threw all change-ups. And then once, once I got the confidence with that, started taking it into games and, it was honestly, I think the catcher uh, that I was throwing with, he he had confidence in it, and he just started calling it all the time. Righties, lefties, didn't matter. And I just had that mentality of just trying to throw it like a fastball, and it didn't matter if it was a righty or lefty. I was getting swing and misses with it, and I was like, hey, this is a good pitch. And I think that's whenever I finally developed that confidence. And, yeah, it's just kind of been still developing a little bit, but I think it's, uh, it's going to be a great pitch for me. You mentioned uh, the late start to pitching. Transitioning late in college, 
how did you transition to pitching? What made you transition to a pitcher? <laughs> My freshman year, we got, uh, I was an infielder. I played shortstop and, uh, we got clocked, uh, thrown across the diamond, uh, for like third base and me and another freshman threw the hardest out of everybody. I think he hit like 94 and I hit like 91. And, uh, I think our pitching coach was like right there and he started joking around. I was like, Hey, give me those two. Let me, let me throw them on the bump. And our head coach was like, no, you stay away from my guys, whatever. So my, uh, my first two years, I didn't hit a lick and, uh, and our pitching also wasn't great. And so I knew that I could throw kind of hard and I felt like it wasn't that hard to throw strikes. We just didn't have guys that could throw strikes. So I was just, I was kept bugging my, uh, I, at first I started with our infield coach. I was like, Hey, let me throw a bullpen. And he was like, no dude, no, like you're going to stay here, whatever. And I just kept bugging him. And then he started kind of like talking to our head coach. And so I kept bugging them. Like, let me throw a pin, let me throw a pin. So finally at the end of our sophomore year, our sophomore season, we weren't making the conference tournament or anything. Uh, coach let me throw a bullpen at the end of practice. And it was, it was almost like a, a big event. The whole team was there. They all like, we finished practice and everybody walked down to the bullpen and we had like 40 guys just standing right behind me on the mound. And I was like, Oh, and so I remember I was just trying to let that thing eat. I had no clue what I was doing up there, but I was just letting it eat first pitch. I think I bounced it before the, uh, before home plate. And it was a fastball. And my head coach just goes, well, I already got 15 guys that can do that. I don't need another one. And I was like, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me zone it in. So I ended up throwing my bullpen and he was like, Hey, that honestly wasn't too bad. And so like, again, we had like two weeks left in the season. So I threw like, I think two or three more bullpens. And, uh, he was just like, go home for summer ball. And I want you to try to, you know, throw a couple innings this summer. So I was like, all right. So I threw one inning <laughs> during summer ball, played shortstop the rest, came back during the fall and started kind of doing uh, two-way stuff. We're joined by Will Vest, who was selected in the Rule 5 by the, by the Mariners from the Tigers. Uh, Will, you don't know this, but the sweet way to our heart is by the, using the phrase, let it eat. It is, let it eat. Yeah. <laughs> it, really, it really makes for great radio. And so yeah. th thank That's you. Thank you. Apparently, Kelly Monroe, uh, our good friend in the baseball information department, he passed you that note ahead of time. Because <laughs> that's uh, no, that's my motto. That's uh, that's kind of my motto. Just get up on the get up on the mound and let it eat. Well, I think you'll make the team if that's your motto. <laughs> your man, your ma your manager. Uh, we've we've talked to Scott about this. He he is more of the let it hunt. Uh, okay. Which we're we're trying to gradually steer him into the right lane, but yeah. I think having you a presence in the clubhouse to do that, I think will serve us. Yeah. Baby steps. He's, he's yeah. on the right track. Hey, hey speaking of Scott, uh, this is unbelievable. Uh, tell us about your neighbor as a kid in the Houston area. Yeah, it was uh, Scott service. <laughs> <laughs> right after I got rule five, my, uh, my dad called me and uh, it, it, there was just, there was a good amount of just weird coincidences. I think he, he called me and just said, Hey, do you realize who your manager is? And I was like, yeah, Scott service. Like, what about him? And, uh, he was like, do you remember our old house 3306? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, he was one of our neighbors. And I was like, no way. And he was like, I'm not kidding. Like we had a pretty big backyard and, uh, he neighbored our backyard, like our backyard shared a shared a fence. And, um, we, my dad was like, I'm not kidding you. I guarantee you he remembers 
And him and my mom kept telling me like, you got to tell him, you got to tell him. I was like, there's no way he's going to remember us. And, uh, my dad was like, well, I'm telling you right now, cause we had a baseball field in our backyard. That's all me and my brothers did was just literally play baseball. Like whenever we got home from school, it was baseball. And he was like, well, I'm not kidding you. He's going to remember throwing tennis balls back into our back into our yard. Cause y'all used to hit him into his backyard all the time. So I was like, all right. So I went and told him and he, he vaguely remembered us. And, uh, he, I think he's, he's said his wife is still in contact with some of, uh, some of their neighbors from, from that house still. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool connecting with that. Uh, finally, Will, uh, I know for a, a lot of people who aren't from the Northwest, when they think of the Mariners, uh, obviously Griffey is probably the first name that comes to mind. Ichiro is is right there neck and neck. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, since you're in the clubhouse with the Mariners for the first time, and it just turns out that Ichiro is just roaming the halls. He's thrown on a uniform every once in a while, taking yeah. snacks in, on a backfield against Marco. Uh, have, you, have you had an Ichiro encounter, certainly an Ichiro sighting? And, and what was that like oh, yeah. when, when, uh, that, when yeah. that happened for the first time? I've said hello to him a couple of times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like moments like that where you got to realize like you're here now and you're not that kid that grew up watching them, you know? So it's kind of weird battling that because, like, I'll walk right by it and I'm just like, that's freaking Ichiro. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you got to get over that. You're you're here to do it. You're here to do a job. So, but it is, it's it's definitely really cool. Um, that's that's one of the cool things about being in this profession. Like, even with the Tigers, you know, we had Alan Trammell walking around all the time. Great guy, strike a conversation with you, and it's just it's cool that some of the game's best come back and, and give back to it. And, uh, I think that's, what's awesome about baseball. Um, and I mean, I, I love it. I love to see, see those guys. I mean, you got Mike Cameron here too, you know, walking around and guy brings energy every day, which is awesome. That's something that you need in the clubhouse. And, you know, it's cool. It's cool to see present players interacting with past players, talking about experiences, you know, what the past players went through and what the present players are going through. And so it's cool to see that. Will, you've been so gracious with your time. We certainly appreciate it. It's wonderful to get to know you a little bit. Uh, Welcome to the Mariners, and we look forward to talking to you again down the road sometime. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It uh, It was fun. There it was, Will Vest. And when we come back, we'll talk some Mariner prospects with Joe Doyle coming your way right after this. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report. Gary Hill back with you as the Mariners get set to take on the Texas Rangers coming up at the top of the next hour. In the meantime, we're going to talk some prospects. I was listening to the most recent MLB Pipeline podcast featuring Jim Callis, one of our favorite guests. We've had him on several times, and they were talking about the prospects in the West, and he made the point about the Mariners having the most distance between themselves and the rest of the division in terms of how they rated the best prospects. They're the team at the top with the most cushion in between the next best in all of baseball, which I thought was pretty interesting and sets the table for this conversation. As I had a chance to catch up with Joe Doyle, a staff writer at Lookout Landing, also Prospects Live. Uh, We've had conversations before with Joe. It's always fun to catch up with him. And whenever I talk prospects these days, I love the question, Kellnick or Julio at the top of your list? I think we almost unanimously have uh, Jared Kellnick number one, and I agree with that. I think 
there is a sense of proximity bias. He's already proven it at the double mm-hmm. A level, which is where, you know, you're going to find a huge uh, collection of some of the top talent in minor league ball. So the fact that he's done it at the higher levels, the fact that he's knocking on the door. Um, and I think maybe the fact that he has a little bit more athleticism that can play in other areas of the game than Julio currently puts him at number one, but it really is a one, a one B because the bat that Julio has, um, I don't know if there's another bat in minor league baseball that can rival that ceiling. So it'll be just, it'll be a lot of fun to watch both of them. We talk about a lot of the names at the top. I mean, the top 10 is pretty familiar, I think with most Mariner fans, but I want, I want to dive into the weeds a little bit. Give me a couple of guys that may be a little bit off of most fans radar who you really like in this organization. Yeah, sure. I mean, so the one at the top for me is Levi Stout. And I know that that name has been kind of bubbling up to the surface through, you know, conversations with Andy McKay and things like that. I'm a huge fan of a good changeup and Levi Stout has a plus changeup. It's the best pitch in baseball, not Levi specifically, but changeups. You know, if he's going to be the guy that was 92 to 95, touching 97 with a plus changeup and a really good, a serviceable, you know, average curveball. Um, I think there's a chance that he's a big league starter and to have a, you know, a big league starter down in that 15 range, Mm -hmm. uh, in your, in your rankings, that's, that's a big luxury to have. He could really climb this year, uh, going down the list a little bit. I had mentioned that, you know, we, we relied so heavily on, on data and, uh, trying to figure out, you know, who could stand out just based on data. Um, the Mariners 40 man, uh, rule five pick will vest. He's a reliever. His data is insane. I mean, the fastball curveball uh, mirroring of each other suggests that if this kid can throw strikes, he could be a really high octane reliever, especially with 97 in the tank. Uh, and then one other guy that I'd like to point out just because, you know, he's quite a bit further down the list is Michael Lehman Shelley, uh, 2019 sixth round pick uh, out of high school, had Tommy John surgery right away. He's back to throwing at 100%. This will be his first year really throwing with the organization. You're not going to see him on top 30 lists, but uh, he had one of my favorite prep curveballs coming out of the draft in 2019 and a low 90s fastball. So he's going to start putting on weight. We'll see if he can get that velo up into the 93 to 95 range. And if that's the case, uh, Seattle might have another kind of diamond in the rough. Who do you expect uh, out of your list that we'll see at some point during the course of this season at the big league level? Yeah. I mean, I think Jared Kelnick is a bit of a slam dunk. Um, Logan Gilbert is another guy. I, you know, you could see him as early as opening day, um, as late as, you know, the middle of June. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of the other guys, I think there's a decent chance that Juan 10 who was added to the 40 man roster to protect him from the rule five draft. uh, I think you could see him this year. He's probably going to be on an innings limit, but you're talking about a righty that, you know, is 96 to 99. He's a starting pitcher with a big curveball. Um, I think he could probably come up in the same vein as Edwin Diaz and just kind of be a fiery reliever, at least for this year, Mm. the team, I don't think has any in, you know, they haven't given given off any indication that they want to move him to the bullpen. So I wouldn't expect to see that, but I think largely this year, you're not going to see nearly as many debuts as you've seen uh, in years past. There's going to be some relievers like Sam Delaplane and Wyatt Mills that we probably see this year, but I think largely, uh, 
it's just going to be a few of the top guys and some relievers. So uh, it should be a, it should be a fun, fun year. And frankly, it should be a fun couple of years uh, for the Seattle Mariners with big, big uh, prospect debuts. When you were comparing your rankings to some of your uh, writing mates at Lookout Landing, uh, was there anyone that you were the outlier high on that uh, you had to fight for? Levi Stout was, I was definitely the high one on Levi Stout. I had him at number 12, I believe, uh, in the system, which, you know, we had people uh, on the staff that had him as low as, I think he was as low as 29. So Mm -hmm. uh, pretty big discrepancy there. Honestly, the big one, and I already mentioned his name was Jonathan Classe. Um, He, he's really a favorite within the Seattle Mariners community for, you know, his persona on social media and his, you know, breakthrough 2019, uh, down in the DSL. Um, I had him, I think 29th on the rankings, but we did have, you know, the vice versa. We had uh, people on our staff that had him as high as like 14. So there's a pretty wide gap with some of these players and it just, it's just kind of what's your flavor and, and why. I'm always, one of the things I'm always fascinated with is the nature versus nurture part of baseball and prospects and everything what's kind of your big picture view of when you see a guy successful at the major leagues i mean how much are we talking about talent how much are we talking about right place right time how much are we talking about the organization doing a good job of shepherding through and making making him a better player as he moved on well i think that's the most fascinating thing about prospects is you know you can go back 40 years 50 years uh i guess 40 years to the introduction of the MLB draft and baseball and scouting has not gotten sizably better in terms of, you know, identifying top talent at the, at the top or in the second or third round um, and turning it into a big league talent. So much of it is beneath the surface of these players. It's, it's emotion, it's mentality, it's attitude. It's things that you aren't necessarily quantifiable. Um, So, a lot of it really does boil down to, in my opinion, uh, the player development system within an organization. And I think Seattle has proven, uh, at least over the last few years with pitching specifically, that they know how to get something out of these guys that um, maybe other clubs don't. And then beyond that, it's, it's just going to be how these players uh, deal with adversity. Uh, and that's something that holds back a lot of players. I mean, you look at someone like Jared Kelnick, um, he has proven – everything that you need him to prove uh, to be a big leaguer short of maybe uh, reaching an at bat plateau. But the only thing that Kelnick hasn't run into is extended adversity. Um, You know, he's had stretches of seven to 10 days where he's slumped, but you haven't seen Jared Kelnick go through a two month stretch where, you know, he's hitting 190 and he has to dig himself out of that hole. So um, in his respect, there's still some to be proven in that regard, but, Every player is different, and it's really hard to uncover those characteristics, um, you know, pre-acquisition, if you will. So I think it's it's fascinating in that regard. Talent isn't everything. Yeah, no, I agree, and it, it is funny. You know, it feels like this will never change. There's first rounders; some will never take a step in the big leagues, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. And there'll always be the random 15th rounder that will make it or the 20th rounder, which is pretty remarkable and a testament to them too. So no, no minor league season last year at some point, uh, we'll have one this season. Who is the one guy you are most excited to see? And you're going to make sure when he takes the field for the first time that you're somehow in front of the computer watching that happen. 
Well, I, I gotta say we're, we're, even though minor league baseball lost 38 to 40, you know, teams, which is, is brutal for the sport. It's brutal for those markets. The Pacific Northwest really lucked out because we have seven high A uh, affiliates within a three and a half hour drive of us. Um, that's pretty insane that there's going to be an immense amount of talent. So I, you know, for anyone listening, if you have the opportunity to go to Everett and watch, you know, Julio, for example, in May, go do it. Um, if you can go to uh, the Tri-Cities, if you can go to any of these places uh, live, go do it because uh, minor league baseball is just, it's the lifeblood of the sport. But the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I don't know if he's going to start right away at high A, is Sam Carlson. Mm. Um, he, he, you know, this guy was the second round pick for the club in 2017, and I, you know, what is he thrown? Two or three innings, maybe. Uh, so he was back up to 94, 95 miles an hour uh, back in September and October. He's full strength. Um, if you follow him on social media, he's an absolute <laughs> ox now. I mean, the guy is just—he's huge. Um, so as soon as he makes it up to Everett, uh, that'll be my first trip uh, for sure. He's definitely on my radar. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago. You are dead on about that. He, he is an animal. He looks an amazing. Yeah, man. <laughs> he is. He is one hundred percent bison. That guy's like six four, two thirty right now, and he's every bit of it. There was Joe Doyle. You can find him, a staff writer at Lookout Landing. Also, prospects live. Always a fun conversation with Joe. Great one coming up next. Shannon Dreyer, a chance to talk some hitting with Evan White. Coming your way right after this. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report. The Mariners take on the Texas Rangers tonight. First, though, a couple fun conversations still to go as we hand things over to Shannon Dreyer, and she talks with Mariners first baseman Evan White. All right, Evan, uh, year finishes up, and we heard that you went down to Arizona and you did quite a bit of work there. What? Talk us through that and what you were able to do, what you were looking to do. Yeah, there was a lot of things physically and mentally. Um, mentally was pretty much the biggest focus for me is getting back to having you know a lot of confidence and clarity and uh, really just staying committed to what I was trying to do at the plate, and that's the, the main focus I had this offseason. And so far in spring training, it's feeling, feeling pretty good, so pretty happy with that. Um, and the biggest thing offensively was just kind of getting back to, to myself, doing you know knowing how to hit and uh, being able to make adjustments on my own and just being able to communicate with the guys and, and talk about stuff that's worked in the past, talked about you know little things here and there and positions they want me to get in and um, what makes sense to me terminology-wise. It was a really productive offseason. Things that you can't do in the season, it sounds like, or a challenge to do in the season. Yeah, I mean, you can. I just, I you know, last year just wasn't in the best spot mentally trying to, you know, obviously – establish myself in the big leagues and, and just kind of be, you know, the, the guy coming in that was, you know, wanted to be the best he could be, but wanted to be the best teammate he could be and kind of just getting comfortable with the guys. And now it's, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the guys. I can have conversations with the coaching staff and um, not like we couldn't have co uh, conversations before, but now I'm just more confident being myself and being able to say things I like, some things I don't like. Um, I think that's been the, the most exciting thing for me so far. When did you kind of come to that realization that you were putting kind of all that on you in the first year? Um... Really just at, at the end of the year, just kind of looking back and reflecting and, and being like, that, that just wasn't me. Uh, that was just a very, very soft shell of myself, um, just all around. And I, you know, kind of just looking back and reflecting, I think, is kind of when I realized that. And um, But it's been great, great offseason, just awesome to you know kind of get on the same page with everybody and, and uh, have a good base moving forward. And working with the, the Mariners on the hitting, Jared,
Jared Hart was with you last year. Now you've had a little bit of opportunity, I would assume, to work with Tim Laker mm -hmm. a little bit. What's it like having kind of different eyes on you? It's been great. I mean, Laker was there. He, he was able to watch stuff last year and stuff. But now we can have more conversations, talk face-to-face. -face and, and really the biggest thing is just getting to know each other, getting to know what terminology works for me, what he likes to talk about and stuff like that. And uh, We're off to a heck of a start in spring training. And um, really excited to continue to build that relationship as we go forward. Sounds like your hands are up a little bit higher now. Yeah, a little bit. Um, just kind of made an adjustment, trying to get in a, a spot. They they wanted me to get in a spot, you know, more consistently, and um, kind of played around with. It. They came down early in uh, the off season, kind of played around with some stances, and that the stance changed a bunch um, throughout the off season. Just kind of tinkering, and I finally found a spot where I felt like I was able to get in a uh, position consistently, and, and just really trust. And that that way it allows me to get really external um, when it's time to compete. Being in that clubhouse now, how different is it than a year ago for you? It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's been great. The guy's have been great the entire time, but it's awesome to have Hanny back and be able to talk to him about hitting and just kind of his, what he's, uh, what makes him so successful. And, and Seager's been great the entire time. Uh, I just, I like to give a lot, a lot of crap back to him now. So I, I took a lot of crap from him. Now, now I built a relationship where I can give it back to him. So um, it's just, it's awesome. Uh, you know, we're, we're definitely building ahead in the right direction. How dangerous is that to try and give crap back to Kyle Seager? Let's be honest. It's, it's fantastic. It's awesome. It's, it's a good little relationship, so I enjoy it for sure. Well, he needs that. It's good to hear you're doing that. Absolutely. Um, Hanniger, to be around him and kind of watch him on a day-in, day-out basis. Mm -hmm. I've heard his routine is like none other. Mm -hmm. well, what are the things that you watch for when you're around him? Well, I think that one of the biggest things is just how consistent he is with his routine. And he, um, it, it's honestly incredible. And that's something as a, as a young guy trying to figure out how it's, you know, what it's going to take to play 162 and um, play a full season and continuously do that. I think that's the one of the more, more important things is to, to realize guys that have done it like him and Seager and, and see their routines and kind of pick their brains and what allows them to stay on the field for um, as many games as possible throughout the season. So, um, but it's been awesome. And being able to talk to him, what he's trying to do in BP. And, um, I, you know, for me, myself, Last year, you know, you, you always think about the, the sexy homer and whatnot. And now it's, I'm trying to get back to – just I swung and missed more than I have in my entire life last year. And, again, partially mental, partially just a little, little stuff uh, here and there mechanically. But I'm trying to hit low bullets in BP now. And that, that's, that's always been a strength of mine and, and barreling balls, hitting line drives. And um, in the games, obviously, you know, balls are going to carry, balls are going to go up and stuff. I'm strong enough now where um, balls are still going to go. But that's, that's been one of my main focuses. And, and talking to guys like that and see what their thoughts on BP, being able to kind of pick and choose and pick their brains has been uh, really exciting. On the low bullets, is that just getting back to what you were? Did you get away? Did you try and get into launch at all at some point? I think, I think subconsciously I got into launch a little too much. Um, you know, there wasn't a point where I was like, oh, I'm going to be a launch angle guy now or, you know, try to hit the ball super high. I think in, in the past I, I would be way too on top of it, so I had to kind of make that adjustment. I think it kind of just kept going where it got too much. Um, so I'm really just trying to hit line drives that um, put the barrel on it and, and hit line drives in BP, and I think uh, that's allowed me to kind of just be a you know better version of myself. Have you always hit the ball this hard? Pretty much. I mean, okay. I've been able to hit the ball pretty hard my entire life, um, fortunately, and um, now it's just continuously putting the barrel on it, and uh, you know whatever happens after that happens. Have you ever been surrounded by so many guys who can hit the ball that hard? No, gosh, no. I mean, we we had a talented team in college. A lot of guys hit the ball hard, but yeah, obviously getting the big leagues is different. And just being more physically mature, and, and obviously having guys like that around you has been awesome. So. The exit velos that they post is that something that you can get sucked into, or is that just something that you just kind of leave and that this is me and this is him and this is? Yeah, it kind of just is what it is. Because I mean, if you get you know get too deep into that, now you're gonna start swinging. Things things for me, like I was saying earlier, is just focus on the process and, and controlling what I can control. And uh, so I can BP, you know, 
Kyle Lewis. He got ridiculous pop, right? So his BP is effortless, but the ball's jumping. And if I sit there and try to do the same thing, I'm going to get away from what I'm trying to do. I'm, you know, I'm going to pull off balls. I'm going to just start filleting balls right field and stuff like that instead of just sticking with what I'm trying to do. And obviously, it's, it's great to watch guys like that, but I have to be the best FNY. I can't try to be you know, the best Kyle Lewis, best Kyle Seeger, stuff like that. So it's uh, been kind of a cool realization for me. You've talked about the steps forward that you're taking and the realizations that you had in your first year. What have you seen from those that were around you? A bunch of you kind of came up together. What do you see from them? Just guys getting getting uh, more routine oriented. Um, really trusting their routine and, and just continues to work every day. You know, Skip talks about getting one percent better each and every day, and I think that's that's been a huge focus for all of us, and uh, it's it's been exciting to see. When you were in Double A, a bunch of you said that you know we want to bring the winning back to Seattle, and when you're in Double A, that sounds a little audacious almost. For sure. You know, and now you've been there, you've seen that, and you guys have that same confidence. Where are you guys with that? That's a good question. I think we'll, you know, we'll find out this year, and um, but all we we're gonna just continue to focus on controlling what we can control. And obviously, there's a lot of great teams out there, and um, so if you're focusing too much on everything going on around, you're kind of gonna lose sight of what you're trying to do as a club and as individuals. And as long as we do, I think we're gonna be in pretty good shape. So we'll see what happens this year. Mariners first baseman Evan White with some very interesting thoughts. That was a great conversation, some really good insight. Coming up next, Rick Riz will chat with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report. We're coming up on the Mariners and Texas Rangers. First, we're going to hand things over to Rick Riz, who had a chance to catch up with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Visiting with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Tom, uh, it's great to have a chance to visit with you. Spring training is well underway 2020 had to be a, a a rough frustrating year for you out with a fractured foot all season long it's great to see you back in uniform how in the world does it feel to be back here in 2021 you know it kind of felt like it was my first camp again you know the, that excitement and anticipation of it all just waiting for it the whole winter uh feels great you know it feels like uh, i'm back to being tom murphy again i pictured you last year being out last season and during the offseason like a caged lion because you know your intensity is is so high uh, how in the world did you get through the season and how did you keep up on a day-to-day basis with the ball club and especially the pitching staff yeah you know it was definitely a challenge for me uh, like you said this is this is my outlet for my life you know coming out here and, and just going out there and being able to compete um, that's that's who i am that's who i like to be so you know when you get that taken away uh, it's tough, but, uh, you know, I was mostly in, in communication with my pitchers. You know, that, that was the, that was the form of communication I wanted to maintain the most, uh, make sure the guys knew that, you know, I was, I was watching them and, and make sure that they knew that, you know, all their improvements and the things that they're working on, you know, were paying off and I was seeing that as well. And I, I think that goes a long ways with that. You had the fractured foot last year that put you on the injured list. Uh, when did you feel like you were back hundred percent and could do the things you, you wanted to do? Yeah, I would say probably around November, honestly. Um, we started, you know, I started sprinting again and, and doing everything that I would normally do in an off season at that time. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely I was gaining confidence that way and, and you know, felt good around that time. Visiting with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Tom, your your off season workouts are things of, of legend. Uh, are, are they still the same things? Have you incorporated anything new? Are you wrestling any bears, throwing hats <laughs> What what are you doing uh, during the off season that keeps you in such great shape? I do pretty much very similar things throughout uh, throughout my off seasons or whatever, and you know they progress a little bit as I age too, uh, to be a little more wise with what I choose to do. Um, but I also spend a, a lot of time in the woods and a lot of time with just a lot of gear and a lot of hiking, and you know that alone just kind of keeps me in a in a trimmer state, I guess you could say. But 
yeah, that's a, definitely a part of the offseason I really enjoy. You know, nobody, I've seen a lot of guys, nobody works harder than you. Tom, where did you get that work ethic? Yeah, I think that's a product of the environment I come from. Uh, you know, I look at my father, you know, he was, uh, he was a guy that didn't really have, you know, much education other than high school and, um, you know, built a business on his own and, and really just did it by hard work, you know, and, and that's an easy example for me to point to. And, um, you know, everybody from my area has to do that to survive. So that's, that's definitely a product of my environment. Yeah. I feel the same way about my bad, my dad too. He was a, such a hard worker. Tom, you were coming off such a good season in, in 2019. You hit 273. You had 18 home runs, 40 runs batted in, and 75 ball games. Your slugging percentage was 535. Uh, how much that was that a product of finally getting a chance to play in a, on a regular basis? And how much was maybe adjustments that you made along the way in 2019? Yeah, I think you could probably point to both of those as being pretty important for me. <clears throat> you know, coming here. <clears throat> and starting with the big league team, uh, you know, that was the first time I'd ever had the chance to do that, to, to go out and have a full season with a big league team. And then, you know, also coming here and, and meeting guys like Tim Laker and Jared Hart and just always striving for better, you know, and that, you know, our mentality that year was Kaizen and that was that daily, daily improvement. And, uh, you know, I really took that to heart and everybody around me did as well. And, and, you know, you saw that by the end of the season, you know, the, the stat line at the end of the season proved that we did get better throughout the year. You know, watching you, Tom, on, on a daily basis, you are very, very intense. Uh, how do you how do you make that work for you and trying to not to get maybe too high at times because you're such a hard worker? Yeah, I think earlier in my career, I, I kind of didn't have that balance that you're referring to. Um, yeah, I, I approached everything with too much intensity. I approached everything with just, you know, all out effort. And, you know, with that type of approach to the game, when things don't go your way, you can kind of have a similar intensity of a, of a crash as well. And I experienced that a lot earlier in my career. So for me, it's, it's kind of showing up, um, you know, ready to play, um, sort of downregulated, you know, starting at zero and letting the game kind of, um, you know, boost that intensity throughout the day when necessary. And, and that's really helped me a lot as I age here, but uh, earlier in my career, that definitely affected me a lot. Tom, it's easy to see that you really love the game of baseball. What's your favorite part about the job? Yeah, after not having it last year, um, I realized that uh, <clears throat> just watching wasn't enough for me. Obviously, it's the it's the competition. You know, that's what really drives me. That's what motivates me to be better. You know, it's, it's almost the fear of failure. You know, that that really makes me show up to the ballpark and want to give everything I have that day because I I don't want to suffer. You know, <clears throat> not having you know the the thing that I love the most in my life and really that comes with success is, you know, the, the more successful you are in this game, the longer you can play. So I always have that in the back of my mind and that's what really drives me every day. Tom, there's been so many great catchers along the years, <laughs> decade after decade, who were some of the catchers that you tried to maybe pattern yourself uh, after? Yeah. Early in my life, growing up in upstate New York, I was a huge Jorge Posada fan. That was my guy. I loved, you know, every, every bit of his game. Um, you know, I wore no batting gloves to try to do a lot of the same things that he did. Um, but, you know, being around Dan Wilson here has been a great experience for me. You know, being on the East Coast, obviously, I didn't get to watch many Mariners games growing up. Yeah. So I didn't really know who Dan was as a player or a person coming into the organization. Um, but I can't speak enough about how great of a person he is and, and really how great of a player he was and how much knowledge he's, he's passing along to me. Um, so, you know, that that opinion of Jorge is kind of, changed over time now that I met Dan. 
<clears throat> well, I'll tell you what, you got a great role model right there. Everybody loves uh, Dan Wilson for so many race reasons. He was a great catcher for a long, long time. As a veteran catcher, you're you're in charge of those young pitchers. You're the front line of defense uh, for especially these kids. Of course, you take care of the veteran pitchers as well. What have you seen so far in camp, Tom, of the young pitchers here? Because there's so much talent here. Yeah, there really is. And I've spoke to it before. I think our organization does a great job of developing pitchers. You know, the, our guys come in with really great stuff every spring training. You know, it seems like every one of them is throwing 95-plus now. Um, with, with really good off-speed pitches as well. But, you know, the next step in this game, as we can all attest to, is, is that mental hurdle. And I think a lot of it shows up, you know, when they finally get out on the mound during their first big league camp and that sort of thing. And uh, you, you can kind of get a sense of, of who has a feel for that already and who doesn't. And really, I, I kind of trend towards those guys who, that don't and, and kind of help prepare them in a way that I can. And, you know, I speak from experience um, in the fact that, you know, when I first got to the big leagues, I probably wasn't mentally ready. And I, I try to share those experiences with my younger pitchers to make them realize that that's, that's the hurdle that they need to climb. It's, it's not physical. It's, it's definitely the mental side. Exactly. You do so well with the young pitchers. I want to go back to a game a couple of days ago. Justin Dunn is on the mound, and this kid has so much talent, and you know that as well as anybody. He walks the first two batters. You call timeout. You go out there. And he strikes out uh, Chad Pinder. He strikes out the next guy. Uh, how do you get a young pitcher back on track at a moment like that so the game doesn't get too far out of hand? Yeah, really, I, I try to be as honest with them as I can. You know, I, <clears throat> I've caught enough of these guys and their bullpens and that sort of thing to know what makes them tick and who they are as a person. Um, and really just kind of going out there and, and bringing them back to themselves is one of the more power powerful things I can do for them. And, you know, you look at Dunn and kind of transformations I'm seeing from him. It's not dissimilar, in my opinion, to what Chef went through between his first year in the big leagues with the Mariners to his next to last year. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of the work that that kid's putting in. And, you know, it's paying off both physically and mentally, like I said. Uh, I think one of the great stories was how you showed up uh, in Seattle. Uh, you're with the San Francisco Giants at spring training. And then the trade, I think, two days before – opening day what was that 48 hour period like after <laughs> four years with the Rockies now you're with San Francisco you're probably talking to your wife go where am I where am I going all of a sudden you're in Seattle hello and uh what what was that period like for you that was a that was a wild week for both me and my family honestly you know at, at one point I was a Rocky and my family was down here in Scottsdale and my son had just been born the, the July before so he was only half year old and I have a daughter who's it was eight at the time and, um, you know, didn't really know where my career was going to go at that point. And all of a sudden I get the call from the giants saying, Hey, you know, we picked you up off waivers. Um, and they were playing an exhibition series in San Fran. So I flew up to San Fran and spent two days there <laughs> and the giants decided to do the same, you know, the same thing that the Rockies did and DFA'd me. And so I went back to Scottsdale where my family was as we were trying to find an apartment in San Fran to live for the season. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was probably about half a day later, I get a call from Jerry saying, Hey, wow. you're a mayor. Uh, you know, at that point I was just hoping that it was a team that I was going to stick with. So my family could have some direction for the season. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was extremely thankful. You know, that conversation with Jerry made me realize that the, the Mariners were a team that valued me and they had valued me for a while. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go back to real quick. Uh, 2015, you make your major league debut with the Rockies and that was against the Mariners 
on September the 12th in Seattle at T-Mobile Park. What do you recall about your Major League debut against a ball club that eventually now you're the starting catcher? Oh, man, that was wild. I, I remember going into that stadium. Um, you know, I, I'd never really been to a big league game before. You know, growing up in upstate New York, I didn't really have an access to going to a Major League Baseball game um, very you know, readily. So that was kind of my first time going into a big league stadium and experiencing all, everything there is to experience. And, you know, with how great you know, at the time it was called Safeco, you know, now T-Bone Park. Um, the roof was closed. It was nuts. You know, was, you're facing Bobby Cano, you know, and I grew up a Yankees fan. And I think Cano ended up hitting a homer that game. Uh, I, fa I faced a uh, Ruana Salia, you know, it was just, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I really remember it very vividly. And I just remember just doing my best to handle myself emotionally that game. I didn't care what happened results wise. As long as I kept my head, I was, I was going to be happy. And uh, yeah, it was, that was a special moment. I'll, I'll cherish forever. Great major league debut. Tom, what ex excites you the most about this ball club? You know, you look at our pitching staff and, and the ability and the, the stuff that we have is just very impressive. Um, you know, I think today's game is obviously trending towards guys with just elite, elite stuff in the big leagues. And I think we have that here and, you know, pitching wins championships. I know it's cliche to say, but it couldn't be more true. And, um, you know, I think this team is really trending that way and building the team around that strength. Yeah, this team is really poised to do something special this year, especially with you back in the lineup, with you back there behind home plate. I wish we had more time. Tom, thanks a lot for the visit. Good luck this year. Thanks. Appreciate everything. Thank you. Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.